welcome to a special episode of the Coaches View podcast, a podcast hosted by professional football coaches and analysts. For those of you who love to look at the game in minute detail, my name's Harry Brooks and I'm joined as I always will be by Richard Webster. Hello, Richard. Hi, mate. You good? I'm good. We've literally just finished watching Dare Classica. How did you find it, first of all? Oh, yeah. Great game, mate. Really good. Really interesting. Um, massive game in Germany, obviously. So, um, yeah. Good to uh, give a little review right now of, uh, of how the game went. Yep, and that is what this episode is going to be doing. It is a mini bonus episode where myself and Richard are going to be analysing the game. And let's get straight into it. So, of course, um, it was Bayern Munich who um, won the game 1-0. Probably to pretty much confirm the Bundesliga title, I would say. Um, would you agree with that, Rich? The title's done now. <sighs> difficult now for Dortmund isn't it seven points behind after this game um I think if look if, if Leipzig win their next game they actually leapfrog them into into third so um seven points with with few games remaining you'd, you'd see it difficult for Dortmund to to catch that gap up now so yeah you've, you've probably got to hand it to Bayern Munich from here yeah I think it's done and, and let's get straight into the analysis I, I want to start off by talking about Dortmund um they started the game quite well um, if we're talking about how Dortmund were playing, um, a few things that you know I, I noticed is that they they're quite good at changing the pace of their attack. Um, they're good at retaining the ball deep and progressing the ball. That's largely due to their shape, and they they you know they have players that are willing to drop to receive the ball. Players like Brandt, etc. But what I noticed is, especially in the first half, it did mean that you know when the ball is eventually transferred to the wing backs, Hakimi and Guerrero, which they they often look to do. Because quite a few players are quite deep behind the ball, it does mean that Guerrero and Hakimi, they can be quite isolated and they have to slow the, the attack down and wait for wait for the um, the players to catch up with the, with, with the ball. And I just thought that, you know, in the first half, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of times when perhaps they lost the pace of their attack um, due to that. Um, but then again, you know, players like Brandt dropping deep to receive the ball, it, it did entice Bayern Munich quite high up the pitch, which left spacing behind for the likes of Haaland to exploit. And I just thought there was a few opportunities in the first half where where Dortmund could have maybe exploited that and been a bit braver in getting plays in and around Haaland a bit more regular because the odd time when players did get in and around Haaland, they did prove that they could, you know, interplay quite nicely, quite quick combinations in the final third, but they can never really sustain attacks. And then we're going to get onto it, but I thought Lucien Favre, um, completely killed Dortmund with his changes for the second half. I mean, that's my analysis of Dortmund in the first half. And I guess, do you want to, do you want to talk about the second half and perhaps how what Lucien Favre did? Yeah, I mean, uh, if I just quickly uh, go on the first half as well. So f- from the point of view that I saw, it, I agree with yourself that they were trying to get Haaland in behind, but it's difficult for Dortmund. Uh, they started the game uh, without Sancho. Uh, obviously, he's coming back from an injury. He's not fully fit yet. So he was started on the bench without Royce, who's been out for a long time or, you know, a fair chunk of time and, and he always seems to be uh, picking up knocks, but he's a massive miss for them. He's probably their best player overall. And without Witzel in midfield, so I think adds balance and bite. So going into the game, missing three 100% starters, is, you know, they're up against it anyway. And then, yeah, that lack of threat, that lack of, it seems to be a lack of urgency. They a bit apprehensive and it's... You know, it wasn't this. It wasn't a must-win game for Dortmund, but it was a must-not lose. Um, and unfortunately, they've gone in. They've gone in it with the 
it looked to me like they were a bit apprehensive of, of taking the risk and uh, committing men forwards, which then left Haaland isolated, Hazard isolated. Brandt was trying to link between uh, the midfield of, of Dahoud and Delaney up to the up to the forward line of Hazard and um, Haaland. But it didn't really work. And they never really, in the first half, laid a finger on uh, Bayern. They had a few half chances. Haaland probably should have done better with a chance uh, inside the box. A little, little snapshot, which he never quite got right, scuffed it. Um, they had opportunities to cross. And that, I think, uh, was is a weakness of Bayern's. They don't defend crosses well if you're going to get at them. Um, you can, If you can cross from deep positions, which is perfect for the wing-backs... You can expose that, but they just never really—they never really uh, laid enough of a hand on them. And then, second half, um, we thought they might come out of the blocks firing. They'd lost a goal just before half time, or not long before half time. Beautiful, uh, beautiful chipped finish from um, Kimmich, who's a terrific talent. You know, the keeper gets a hand to it; he should probably do better. But it's a—it's a good chip, which you don't see very often. So I do like a—I um, do like a good chip finish. Probably a, a, a poorer version of the Philip Albert against um, Newcastle against Man United. It wasn't quite as good as that, but I never mind miss, uh, mind seeing a good chipped finish. So that was that was quite enjoyable. Uh, but second half they never really got going either. Um, and I know you're quite critical of uh, Favre's substitutions, Harry. So how did you see that one? I could not believe what he was doing, to be honest. I mean, in the first half they looked like there was ways to get in behind Bayern Munich. It looked like again Dortmund coming quite deep to pick up the ball would actually entice Bayern Munich high and leave the threat in behind. And they just needed, I think, to take a few more risks and leave a few more players further ahead of the ball in and around Haaland because they proved they could combine and they were very close to creating the chances. But they struggled to retain the ball in the final third. And that's one thing that Sancho is very, very good at. He's very good at maintaining the pressure in the final third. He can retain the ball in the final third. So I thought bringing him on was the correct thing to do. Um... But taking Julian Brandt off most definitely wasn't because if it's one thing that Sancho is is not struggles with, but it's not his style of game. He's not someone that is explosive or explodes past players um, explosively or explodes into space. He's someone that is good at receiving the ball high up the pitch, standing his man up 1v1 and retaining pressure. But Sancho, for that type of player, you need players around him. He needs players around him, players to play off of. And him taking Julian Brandt off, losing Favre, completely isolated Sancho and Dortmund lost so much of their build-up and so much of their structure and now that they lost abilities to their ability to get the ball forward and they now still didn't really have a threat in behind and I thought that for a good while Dortmund really struggled to progress the ball there was a lack of idea the spacing was all off from the Dortmund players and it wasn't really fixed until Reina came on but then obviously Reina came on for for Haaland who had the injury and now even though they improved um, progressing the ball and, and creating chances and getting into the final third and retaining the ball. Now they lost their threat in Haaland through injury. So I thought that for the start of the second half, the game was still there for Dortmund. I, I really did. I thought that you could see where they could expose Bayern Munich um, in behind. I just thought they needed to have a few more bodies in the final third to help retain the ball and um, keep it in that danger zone for a longer period of time. And I thought Sancho would have done that. But taking off Brandt completely nullified the threat of Sancho, I thought. And I thought that Lucien Favre was what costed Dortmund the game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. I'm not, I'm not a massive uh, fan of Favre in terms of uh, the tactical um, decisions, maybe. I think the team he's put together is very exciting going forwards. Um, 
they weren't today for whatever reason they couldn't they couldn't make that final step they weren't um there wasn't a killer instinct uh there seemed to be a few things that were off i mean he took delaney off uh for emre chan I don't know if that was to do with an injury. For me, Delaney would have been the one player in midfield he had to keep on. I agree with what you're saying about Brandt. Delaney's a, a very, very good uh, destroyer. He covers the uh, the backline really well. He's a really responsible player. Pops up all over the all over the pitch in a screening role. Uh, very responsible. Uh, very technically um, good and solid. He's going to do all the things you want him to do. He's going to win back possession numerous times and then he's going to give it short and sharp and he's going to progress the ball on forward quickly. Uh, taking him off and putting Chan on, uh, it was a like-for-like like except you you uh, took off any urgency that you had in midfield. Chan doesn't play with urgency. He doesn't play with uh, a desire to get the ball forward. Um, so I would argue, if anything, it was a like-for-like like change, but actually uh, you went backwards. Uh, so he... Yeah, you were actually worse off after that change. If anything, I would have kept I would have kept Dehoud and Delaney, or possibly I would have, um, if anything, maybe taken Dehoud off. Uh, Brandt could have dropped a little deeper. Yes, you, that's what I would have done. They had to take a risk. They're one 0 down. It's, it's this is the season. You're at home. I know it doesn't make a huge difference, but this is your home game against Bayern Munich. That that's it. It was a win or bust. Uh, you, you just you just had to not lose. Uh, the other thing that I noticed is. And I was saying to yourself during the game, is this is supposed to be uh, a title decider? This was the big title fight. Um, this is the one that defines your season, and for some people, defines a career. So yes, they were missing players, but just as I've seen them in, in a game, I think it was earlier this season where they got rolled four nil. Um, they didn't lay a finger on Bayern Munich. This is this is supposed to be the Arsenal v Manchester United when they were both going for the title regularly or Chelsea against Arsenal, or United against Liverpool, where you would have these epic battles. They might not be the prettiest games, but there would be um, a lot of aggression from both teams, high intensity, intent. Dortmund, you're, the, in the, you're in the chasing seat. You have to chase Bayern Munich. They can just come and sit. You've got to take the game to them. There was nothing there that suggested urgency or suggested that there was a title on the line. Um, I think they maybe picked up one yellow card, two yellow cards. Now, this 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 is the season, you know. So they've gone down without enough of a fight. Uh, part of that is due to the substitutions. I don't think he injected uh, enough of uh, enough pace or intensity into the team. Obviously, the Harlan injury, yeah, the Harlan injury is nothing he can do about that. But taking Brandt off. Um, denies you the, dyna the dynamism and the legs that links the midfield to the forward line. Um, and like you said, then Sancho is pretty much isolated. So now you're expecting a bit of magic from Sancho on the right or a bit of magic from Hazard on the left. I think that towards the end of the game in the second half, it kind of typified everything that is that can be good about Dortmund, but is so often they're down for. Um, unless it flows then it doesn't work for Dortmund. Uh, you know, towards the end of the game, we were saying that with the profile of players they had on the pitch, there was only going to be one type of goal they scored. And that was going to be a, a delicately worked, intricate goal because the only player that was on the pitch for Dortmund um, towards the end of the game that was a threat in behind and a threat off the ball was Hakimi, your right wing back. Every single other player prefers to receive deeper, receive defeats, um, or not necessarily deep, but prefers to receive the deep, stand their man up, play intricate plays, 
And if you are a team that is going for the title, you can't be in a situation where you're 1-0 down against your title challengers and you are relying on the only way to score is to have an intricate piece of play. I know injuries didn't help and etc. That is true, but I just feel that as we've said, it was it was typical of what Dortmund's that you know the, the downside of what Dortmund are. And if it doesn't flow, it doesn't work. And whereas you look at Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich didn't really flow at all today, but they were competitive, they were hard to break through, and they were a threat in the other half. And it was as simple as that, you know, that Bayern Munich were a threat and they were solid and they won the game 1-0. They took their chance. And whereas if it didn't work out, if it didn't flow for Dortmund, it wasn't going in. And you cannot win a title based yep. on that. I think that's very true. And I think uh, watching this game for me, it was like watching um, Arsenal versus Chelsea from a few years back. Uh, Arsenal play a lot of good football. There's a lot to be commended about the way they go forward and attack. But when push comes to shove, if that game matters, Chelsea tend to come out on top. because, And that's what it seemed like to me. It was a bit of a throwback to that. Bayern Munich would get into the box. Every time Bayern Munich enter the penalty area, if it's from a wide position, it's going to end in a cross. If it's from anywhere that could be de- that could be described as a, a shooting position, then the shot will be taken. It could be blocked. It could go wide. There will be a shot or at least an attempted shot. Numerous times, there's a threat or there's intent to hurt the opposition. Uh, numerous times, Dortmund would work the ball get into the box. If you fast forward two or three seconds, the ball's back in midfield, they're recycling it and it's gone back to the centre half. And you think, well, if you're not going to provide threat when you do enter the box, then all you leave yourself, uh, the only options you leave yourself is pot shots from range. And yeah, good luck with those. Um, They had one from, I think, uh, Chan tried a pot shot. He's not known for his goal scoring. That got blocked. That didn't even make it into the box. The Who tried a pot shot, which was forced a good save from the keeper. So that was decent. But that's not where you expect your goals to come from. If you enter the box, if you enter the penalty area, it needs to end in something positive for your team. It needs to end in a, uh, a shot flashed across goal, an attempted cross, force a corner. You can't enter those red zones, those danger zones, and not produce. You can't enter those red zones that many times and then turn around and the ball be recycled back to your own centre midfielders, defensive midfielders that many times. If you're not going to lay a glove on Bayern Munich, eventually, of course, they're going to get opportunities and then it only takes one one goal to win it. So it was a bit of a, it was a strange one. Uh, difficult for Dortmund in the circumstances, missing those players, but they had more than enough with the 11 that they had and the guys on the bench, Goethe on the bench, Reiner on the bench, Witzel on the bench, Shanto on the bench. Uh, they have more than enough there to have laid a finger on Bayern Munich. And I think they will be uh, really, really bitterly disappointed with their performance that they didn't they didn't ever look like uh, turning it round or actually hurting Bayern Munich, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, we just said it there. Bayern Munich don't have to play well to win. And if you want to win a title, you have to be able to do that. I mean, just analysing Bayern Munich, there was a lot about Bayern Munich I didn't like today. So I'm not a mess. I'm not a fan at all of the Kimmich and Goretzka um, pivot in midfield. I don't think that works at all. I think they actually missed Thiago um, to provide that link from midfield to attack. I thought that Müller was the only player in the Bayern Munich forward line that um, injected any life into their attacks at, um, at any moments. Um, so there's actually a lot wrong with Bayern Munich. But as we've said, they've got that mentality. They've got that steel. They've got that ability to and that know-how to, even if they're not working, if it's not flowing, to to get the job done. But 
just looking at Bayern Munich, I mean, would you agree with my analysis there? I mean, I don't like the, the pivot of um, Kimmich and Goretzka. I don't think that they provide enough angles. There's not enough connection from midfield to attack. Um, and it leads to quite broken um, build-up play. Um, would you agree with that? Do you, or do you think that Goretzka and Kimmich can work as a, as a pairing? I agree that they missed uh, Thiago because it's that added guile and skill and a bit of creativity in midfield, which they miss. Uh, Kimmich's a terrific player and of course he got the winner. Oh, he's a fantastic player. I'm not disputing that. They're both fantastic players. I'm massive fans of both. But as a pivot together, I don't think that midfield works. Yeah. I mean, the shame is that it was, you know, it was enough. It was enough today. So it's uh, it's a tricky one. I actually think Bayern Munich, they've got so much threat all over the, all over the pitch. Um, you know, you were right. The the threat from out wide, they, they both had quiet days today. I thought Gnabry was okay. Um, he offered something. They, you know, the the wing backs from Dortmund actually did a decent job. Guerrero on the one side, really good job against Kingsley Coman. He never got any joy out of him at all, which is great because um, that is a big threat on either side. Gnabry got a little bit more more joy on his side, um, but yeah, they missed that little bit of guile in midfield, a little bit of um, uh, to be able to change up uh, play different types of passes, disguised passes, and and just to to float in between the lines a little bit more, like Thiago does. I felt they missed that for sure, but it was enough on the day. And that's that, that's what it comes down to, is the 11, um, you know, you're going to have players out of position, you're going to have players injured, you're going to have, um, not all of the time, your best 11 uh, on form when you want them most in the biggest game of the season. But that's just, that's football in general. Both teams will suffer from that. You're going to have players who, who are out of form. You're going to have players who are in form and on you know, firing on all cylinders. You have to roll with the punches and go with what you've got. Dortmund had more than enough today. Uh, I actually thought they, they started with a midfield. I agree with you. They had more control in midfield than uh, Bayern Munich, which wasn't much. Um, but they lacked that threat in behind. And they did. They didn't do enough with what they had. They had more than enough half half chances and opportunities, more than enough opportunities to get the ball into the box and test test Bayern Munich's ability to defend crosses, which they're not uh, renowned for. Um, and for me, it just it comes down to the fact that they lacked that big game maturity. They lacked the um, the know how maybe in the game management to to at any point have a sustained period of pressure on Bayern Munich and really test them. Um, so then, in that in those circumstances, then Goretzka and Kimmich works just fine. But yeah, I think against the top side, I think well, Dortmund are top side. But against you know when, let's say in the Champions League or or you know that's not going to work uh, too often. Um, but it was enough for today, and they're going to finish the day seven points clear of Borussia Dortmund, and um, that probably is <laughs> Bundesliga over. <laughs> but having said that, uh, you never know. Never say never. You never know. No, you never know. Um, Actually, no, I think we do both know. <laughs> um, no, I thought I thought um, Thomas Muller was the best player on the pitch today for me. I thought he was exceptional. I thought he was the only one that at times, it's a bit harsh on the other forwards maybe, but I thought he was the one that injected the life into Bayern's attacks when I thought that at times they would maybe look a bit stagnant, a bit stale, um, a bit stuck in their zones. Um, they were very positional today um, and they are under flick. But at times that can sort of like, you know, I thought that it, at times it, it didn't really flow the attack because of that. They were kind of stuck in their zones, players. Um and I just thought that Muller's off-the-ball movement and ability to, to combine with players that run ahead of him and run off of him, I thought he was exceptional today, Thomas Muller. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. Yeah, he's got a big game mentality as well. He's turned up many times in the big games when it matters. He's been there and done it. He's achieved so much already. 
It's got that know-how. I felt sorry for Haaland. He was very isolated and then obviously picked up a knock. But then saying that, saying that, you could arguably say that today was one of the litmus tests for Haaland and there was a few times when he did receive the ball in dangerous areas and he didn't catch it cleanly and he's caught them very, very cleanly recently and there was two or three times when he could have caught it a lot better and, you know, it would be very harsh to, to criticise him too much after what he's done but it does perhaps show that people speak a bit too soon, don't they, when, I mean, I saw one tweet earlier today saying that He's going to be better than Lewandowski. And I'm like, give the kid half a chance to actually build a name and do something in the game. Do you know what I mean? Also, and it's a little it's a little disrespectful to players. Very like disrespectful, like do you know? Lewandowski, season after season, you know. But that's, this is the nature of uh, um, football and, 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 and commentating on football nowadays is... Um, you know the, the the next new new very reactionary the block is yeah. yeah reactionary and they're built up very very quickly. I think Haaland's the real deal. I think he's a really oh good so player. do I yeah so do uh, I so do I. But let's let him develop. It is a tough ask. I think is he twenty still? You know twenty years old. Um, yeah, young man. To, yeah, lead the line. He's done fantastically well so far. He's not going to deliver every week. I just think tactically he was he was isolated, and um and it was difficult for for Dortmund Dortmund's attack to get going at all. It was a weird game. Um, but there we go. Uh, let's see if they can claw back the seven-point gap to Bayern Munich, and uh, and they'll roll on. But there were some other interesting games uh, in the in the last couple of days, so I think we should summarise those as well. Definitely, yes. Yeah. So obviously, we've just analysed that game, and as you said, it's important that we talk about the other games and perhaps trends we've noticed. And one, tr- I-, I watched Leipzig the other day. I thought they were phenomenal. I loved watching them play. Um, but one trend that I've noticed. Um, about Bundesliga teams and I do not understand it at all is why so many teams are so insistent on playing the high line um, and getting caught in behind I mean I watched the Leverkusen game and I could not believe how many times Dragovic got caught just leaving his back line to push high and Turam and whoever just running in behind to the free space I mean Tapsoba who we spoke about in last week's podcast is is a phenomenal centre-back so he covered superbly well when he shouldn't have done but if Tapsoba didn't mop up as often as he done Bayer Leverkusen would have conceded a hatful of chances and a hatful of goals um, and that game could have I think that you, when you watch a lot of the Bundesliga fixtures because of the high lines and, and different um, I think you get quite a lot of philosophical managers that insist on playing their way and it's very exciting to watch, but I think that can lead to games where there's often not much control. And, you know, I did watch the, the, the leverkusen Gladback game and it was an exciting game, but, you know, that game could have easily gone the other way around. Easily, I thought. And it just happened to go in favour of Leverkusen. Um, but, you know, that was an exciting game. I thought Leipzig was a brilliant game. Um, what, what stood out for you over the weekend? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Leipzig. I mean, a, a hat-trick again from Timo Werner. He just keeps making his case, doesn't he, as... Uh, as you know, one of the elite strikers uh, in Europe at the moment, scoring goals for fun, all types of goals as well. So that's, you know, that's that's um, doesn't look like stopping anytime soon. So there's a lot of talk about him uh, moving on to Liverpool. So that'll be really interesting if that ever materialises. But he's he's playing at the real, at the top of his game at the moment. And you know, after today's result, uh, if they win their game in hand, I think they go second. So um, yeah, Leipzig pushing on. Uh, Dusseldorf. Uh, blew it again, so they had a 2-0 lead against uh, FC Köln uh, with, I think, five minutes remaining away from home, which would, would have given them a much-needed three points in uh, to stave off relegation, but um, they managed to mess that up, and they've conceded two goals in the last five minutes to draw 2-2, so that, that keeps things really tight at the bottom. Um, there's some big games going on right now. Leverkusen play Wolfsburg, so it's getting really congested, 
between um, Dortmund, Leipzig, uh, Leverkusen, and um, uh, Gladbach. That th- those teams are really bunching up now. So there's some interesting games coming out. But yeah, for me, it was Timo Werner's um, uh, display against uh, in, in the five 0 win. I thought he was on another level again. And some players, like we've said, oh, they're not fully fit after the break. They don't look their best. They're missing some sharpness like Haaland was today. No such worries for Timo Werner. He just keeps rolling on, banging in goals left, right and centre. And I think he's, yeah, if he does eventually come to the Premier League, I think, you know, he's going he's gonna to storm it. I really do. I'm a huge fan of Leipzig. I'm a huge fan of the Red Bull clubs in general, actually. And actually, I know they get a lot of stick, but I love the way they how they have an identity and, you know, the, the players fit, you know, they, they they play a certain way and they make sure that the managers and the players um, adhere to those philosophies. And, you know, there's so many profiles of players for Leipzig that I really, really adore. Um, I'm a huge fan of Paulson. Um, he provides such a huge role for the team with his selfless runs into the channel and his leadership qualities. And um, as you said, the threat of Werner, there's, you know, they, they just like, they flow and attack Leipzig. They press high, they press aggressive. They, they, they counter the ball really quickly and get it into the final third really quickly, but they're able to combine in the final third um, because they have players in the final third that, that can link with each other, and which is what we missed from Dortmund today. Um, and, you know, I'm a huge fan of Sabitza. I think he's phenomenal. Um, I'm just a huge... Yeah, I'm a huge fan of them. And I think that... Uh, and I think Nagelsmann will go right to the very top as a coach as well. Um, and I think that actually Leipzig will probably end up finishing second. I really do believe that. I think they'll be the ones to... to, to um, I don't think they'll win the title, of course. Um, I think the Bayern Munich will win it quite comfortably, but I think the Leipzig will be right behind them and perhaps they'll be the next team. Hopefully they can keep the squad together, but I think they might be the next team to really push um, to push Bayern Munich for that title. Um, there's a chance they could win it next year, providing they can keep the squad together. I mean, we'll have to see whether they can keep hold I of really the likes can't of Timo Werner. It would be nice to see. I really don't see them keeping that squad together. I see what you're well, saying. Well, I think there's more. I think... I think there's more of a chance of them doing that than than Borussia Dortmund. Um, I really do. I think that you can see some of the Borussia Dortmund. I can see that squad dissipating. But other than Timo Werner, I can see that. I can see that Leipzig keeping hold of quite a few of their players, especially after this coronavirus. And if they can keep them together, then I think they can mount a title challenge next year. Perhaps the core of the team, but Werner Werner going missing is a is a huge hole in that side. So I mean, I mean, I, I mean, do, I guess, I guess, do you think he'll be sold this summer, Timo Werner? Do you think he'll be sold? A hundred percent. Do you really I interesting? Think, Fair yeah, enough. I think it's, I think it's time for him to push on. I think he realizes that he's made noises in that direction already. Not quite a come and get me, but as close as you can yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. He keeps scoring goals. He's there. Uh, he's ready to move on to a higher level of football. Um, I'm not, you know. <laughs> Uh, he's 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 there already at, at a really really high level consistently, but I think he's ready to play for one of the really really big boys like a Liverpool. Um, they seem to be the front runners, so yeah, I think that's I think that's the next natural step for him. But no, an interesting weekend or, or week yep. in the Bundesliga. Um, and um, congratulations to Bayern Munich. They just keep rolling on. <laughs> congratulations on your Bundesliga title because. I think it's done. And that wraps it up for this week's um, mini episodes. This is going to be a running theme we're going to be doing where we're going to be doing mini bonus episodes analysing the weekend's football or the weekday's football. Um, All that's left to do is to say thanks to Richards. Thanks, mate. Thanks to you guys, the listeners. Make sure you stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. We have a very special one coming. It's uh, it's an interview that we're both very excited to be conducting. Um, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But thanks again to the listeners. Stay safe and see you soon. Okay, no, no.